Welcome to Making Footprints, Not Blueprints, a regular podcast about matters philosophical and religious. My name is Andrew James Brown, and despite being myself an atheistically inclined freethinker, I'm also the minister to the Unitarian Church in the city of Cambridge, UK. The title of this podcast is borrowed from the philosopher Herbert Fingeret, who, in his book, The Self in Transformation, offered us studies that were outcomes rather than realised objectives, which were offered to the reader as an encouragement to make intellectual footprints, not blueprints. This podcast tries to proceed in a similar fashion and takes seriously an insight of the poet A.R. Ammons, who felt that true human freedom only comes when we have understood that full scope always eludes our grasp, that there is no finality of vision, that we have perceived nothing completely, and that, therefore, and thankfully, tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. Welcome to this week's New Walk. One of the most common questions being asked by almost everyone today is what might be the best possible way for them to move on as the current pandemic restrictions are, hopefully, more permanently eased and the actual challenging outlines of the post-pandemic social, political, religious and economic situation begin properly to emerge from the fog. This seeking out of confident and clear ways to move on well, either individually or institutionally, is of course a question that has always lain close to the surface of religion and philosophy, or at least the kind of ancient philosophy explored by Pierre Dau, which was conceived of as being a way of life, rather than only a specialised academic and quasi-scientific discipline. In the particularly European and American liberal religious context in which I work, the idea of the best way forward comes to the fore most noticeably either in its Christian form, when the author of the Gospel of John has Jesus say, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, or in its Taoist form, in the idea of the Tao, the way, often spelt alas with a capital W. At this point in proceedings, as an heir to a liberal rationalist tradition, I might now easily spend a great deal of time with you engaging in a detailed comparative study of these different ways, either in an attempt to reveal one as being better, or at least more preferable, liberal-wise or humane than the other, or perhaps to show that at some putative, deeper level, they were really expressions of some underlying universal and definitely capital W way. But as I have got older, these academic and or polemical ways of proceeding have become less and less interesting to me, not least of all because they seem to miss something that does seem to me to be very interesting and important, especially to those of us with liberal inclinations. As I have increasingly noted during the 21 years of my ministry, the articulation and then the highly disciplined embodiment of any kind of capital W way forward, 
seems to bring with it, to my mind anyway, more problems than solutions. And in a moment I'll concentrate on what I see as being one of those major problems. But first of all, let me say I fully appreciate that in a complex and uncertain world, a certain kind of disciplined focus on capital W ways can have useful, limited roles, because they clearly help some people live highly valuable and extremely worthwhile lives. I accept that. But I also want to make it clear that the success gained is always done so at the expense of that something else, which I think is very interesting and important, and which I, as a liberal, religious and philosophically inclined person, do not want to lose sight or regular experience of. The fact is, I can't help but thinking that deciding what the best capital W way forward is, before one has walked in full the crooked walk of one's own life, is surely to put the proverbial cart before the horse. Rather than being an opener of horizons, a capital W way forward can only succeed, if success it is, by deliberately narrowing the horizon before one to the width of the road ahead, on the gamble that, as the Christian tradition puts it anyway, narrow is the gate and close cramped the pathway leading to life, and those who find it are few. Consequently, we can see, by their very nature, that capital W ways, rather than being engines of immersion in the breadth and complex interactions of life in its fullness, turn out to be engines of partial removal or protection from that complex fullness. And they do this by foregrounding and focusing upon narrow simplifications and generalisations. Yes, that process of simplification and generalisation has its place and value, but I want to ask, should it really be the central concern of religion and philosophy, especially liberal forms of religion and philosophy? This is surely the very same question addressed by Jesus in his parable of the Good Samaritan. The Jewish priest and the Levite in the story are proceeding through life on their own capital W ways. Their roads, their ways forward, are narrow and close cramped. And it is their focus on a narrow preconceived idea of in what consists the good life that causes them to pass by the injured man on the roadside because to attend to him would be to step off their capital W ways and begin to walk something they fear is the broad and open path to destruction. However, as we know, the good Samaritan, if he also had his own version of a way, seems to have been following a lowercase w way that was broad and open, one which allowed him to see that something very, very important was going on by the way, and that he should heed its call, turn aside, stop, and pay close attention to it. In this case, of course, the important something by the way to pay close attention to was the injured man. We can see that the interactions which then occurred by the way, between the injured man, the Good Samaritan and the innkeeper, together serve to reveal not only new ways for them all to move forward, but also, by extension, new kinds of by-the-ways. 
In recent weeks, both alone and with other friends and members connected with the Cambridge Unitarian Church where I am minister, as I have been reflecting on what kind of liberal way forward I would like to try to embody in the complex and challenging post-pandemic situation, it has increasingly struck me that it needs to be not a single-minded capital W way, but instead a lowercase w, intraactive way, which allows me to continue to pay attention to and stop to consider those things I find by the way. This general thought has been powerfully enriched by a recent reading of the extraordinary autobiography of the important 20th century Scottish novelist Neil M. Gunn. He was born in 1891 and died in 1973. The book, first published in 1956, is called The Atom of Delight and it has been described as being an expression of Highland Zen, not least of all because in it Gunn began an explicit and creative conversation with some of the ideas he had found in Taoist thought in general and in particular Eugen Herigl's book Zen in the Art of Archery. In the opening chapter called by the way, Gunn writes as follows. Quote, the difference between by the way and on the way may be the difference between not having any kind of philosophy and having one. To be on the way is to have an idea of what Eastern thought calls the way. But whether there is such a way or not, there can be no doubt at all about by the way. What happens by the way is not a matter of philosophy, but of life, of universal experience. One can, of course, attempt to analyse it, to fit it into this system of thought or that, but by its very nature it is bound to cause a diversion in the neatly fitted jigsaw. In the end the diversion becomes the deviation which wrecks the system. No wonder those who create systems fear it like the devil. This simple atom of longing, of delight, carries a high explosive potential. It is verbally miscalled from the irrational to heresy. It has been hanged, drawn and quartered, burnt at the stake, gassed and shot in the back of the neck. Then it pops up when least expected, with a smile too that is a whole dawn of wonder if persecution hasn't got its claws in too deep. And if so, at least persecution is then seen for what it is, senseless, futile, the bloody destroyer. Unquote. Gunn reveals throughout the book how the by-the-way is the place, or rather are the places, where he has most often found what he was looking for even though what he found was often surprising to him. His books and its characters, and indeed his own life, are filled with moment after moment had by the way, and together they form a kind of dispersed, uncentred centre to both his art and life. It's no wonder that, on publication of his autobiography, which so clearly revealed Gunn's penchant for both by the way and a connection with a certain style of Eastern philosophy, 
Some of its first critics, who had been impressed at Gunn's ability to write a solid mainstream Scottish novel, were profoundly disturbed by this. For example, the hugely influential poet, critic and broadcaster Maurice Lindsay, in his History of Scottish Literature, wrote that in his opinion Gunn's, quote, increasing preoccupation with Zen Buddhism blurred his practical sense of purpose. Unquote. And Lindsay also writes dismissively of Gunn's quote, retreat into a personal mysticism. Unquote. The reception of his heartfelt and deeply insightful autobiography, which revealed the inner dynamics at play in his writing, was negative enough to make Gunn decide that there will be from him no more books or novels. And so one of the most important writers of the Scottish Renaissance of the 1920s and 30s fell silent, in literary terms anyway, until his death in 1973. However, we are fortunate that since then a reassessment of Gunn's overall achievement has begun. Indeed, Alan Spence, in the New Edinburgh Review of Summer 1982, wrote that in Gunn's Atom of Delight, his true sense of purpose, far from being blurred, was never sharper. And Spence continues by noting that, as for his retreat into mysticism, he preferred to see it as an ascent, pathfinding, a showing of the way. It's significant, I think, that Spence does not capitalise the W of way in this last sentence. Anyway, Spence seems to me right here, and Gunn's writing, Jesus' parable, as well as my own ongoing experience of life, together serve to remind me again and again of the value of those things that are found by the way. But this is not a popular lowercase w way of proceeding. Indeed, as Gunn noted, it has often been characterised as being irrational or heretical, which has cost people not only their public standing and livelihoods, but, at times, even their very lives. Why? Well, it's because they have always been the people who have reminded us that life, as it is actually lived, is for the most part one lived by the way, and that recognising this modest everyday truth is always going to cause a diversion in the neatly fitted jigsaws that the powers that be like to claim is the only way, truth and life. As Gunn saw, and to an extent experienced in his own life, a life lived by the way becomes not simply a diversion, but the deviation which wrecks the system, and so, exiled or terminated, you must be. But if, like me, you are basically a liberal sceptic with a naturally religious mind or an open-minded reverent humanist, the subject of episode 17 of this podcast, then you're never going to be fully persuaded that there exists any single actual capital WA or capital S system. However, as Gunn states clearly, though we will always doubt the existence of any actual capital S system or capital W way, the one thing about which there can be no doubt at all is the existence of by the way. 
We can also be confident that what happens by the way is not dependent upon having some highfalutin or even some lowfalutin philosophy, but of life, life itself, of universal human experience. More and more it seems to me that we only find something approaching what we can call the common ground of humanity when we have the courage and wisdom to step off our capital W ways and are prepared to linger together, now here, now there, by the way. Naturally, I fully realise that for many people all the foregoing will simply be a perfect illustration that, like gun before me, I have become a person whose practical sense of purpose is now fatally blurred and that I'm merely retreating into some kind of personal mysticism. But forgive me if I demur and choose continually to linger by the way, because, my friends, it's only by paying attention to what's going on by the way that I think we'll have the best chance of finding together the most appropriate and compassionate way forward out of the mess in which we currently find ourselves. Oh, and by the way... And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Making Footprints, Not Blueprints podcast. So, farewell for now, and remember, tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. See you on the path. Thank you again for listening to the Making Footprints, Not Blueprints podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and each new podcast will be delivered to your device as soon as it is released. Also, if you'd like to join the conversation, please feel free to comment on the blog or come along to the occasional live online discussions which take place on Wednesday evenings at 7.30pm GMT. Anyone is invited to ask questions and make comments on the issues discussed in the podcast. You can find all the necessary links in the episode notes. We look forward to talking with you then.